You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Today the reading is from Galatians 5, starting with verse 1 and then skipping down to 13 through 15. Christ has set us free. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Amen. Thank you, Susan. We are in a series that we are coming to a close on. Uh, next Sunday will be our last in this series called Draw Near. The series has been to, with the intent of getting you to draw near to God through the various spiritual disciplines, and we've been covering one of those each Sunday. This past Sunday was a remarkable Sunday, in my opinion, and, and maybe the hallmark of the entire series, uh, when Pastor Dave shared with you uh, the spiritual discipline of confession. And then we gave each of you the opportunity uh, during the communion time to actually bring your confession and deposit it uh, on the table. And uh, I've heard from a number of you uh, the powerful moment that that was for you to be able to do that and to uh, receive in a very tangible way that sense of, of absolution and forgiveness. Um, it, it also was a very powerful time for Pastor Dave and I in that we, uh, as promised, we took the opportunity uh, to take those sins, those confessions that you wrote down, um, and you were very honest and forthright about your sin struggles. Uh, you were very transparent. Uh, most everyone put their names on them. Uh, and uh, we did on Tuesday morning during our prayer and fasting time when we pray for all of you in the church, uh, we read each of those confessions uh, in an audible voice, out loud. We read them uh, in the prayer room in here, uh, prayed over each one, prayed for you individually, uh, took your confession to the Lord. And I have to say, it was a very heavy time. Understanding and being, in, in, in a sense, confronted with the reality of, our sin struggles as a body. We are a body of people together. We are uh, the family of God. And to, to uh, carry that to the Lord in prayer uh, was a very, very heavy uh, place for Pastor Dave and I to land on Tuesday morning. But the beautiful part of it was to then, after we prayed for all of you, to take all of those written confessions and we put them in a glass container um, and, and symbolically and otherwise, we went out into the front yard out here of, of the church and we uh, set the glass container down on the grass there and we ignited those pieces of paper and we burned those confessions. And we stood there for a long time and we watched as those confessions turned to ash, knowing that the promise of God is that your sin as far as the east is from the west. And rejoicing with you that you are forgiven and that you have been given great freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that the power of the resurrection is at work in you to give you life 
and the ability to flourish. And so we very much ended that in a moment of rejoicing together uh, for all of you as Life Church. But that does not move us from the reality that we realize and acknowledge that there are some very real sin struggles in the lives of God's people. And that Life Church uh, is no different than other churches and other Christian communities, that we do indeed struggle with sin. And we are fighting battles in our lives, and these battles are waging war against us, not just in our mind, but in our flesh. And so it was uh, wonderful for us to think about how in the providence of God, uh, we had set up this series in such a way that the discipline of a chaste life would follow the, the, the discipline of confession. And so that's where we're going to go this morning. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the spiritual discipline of a chaste life, okay? And uh, I'm not just going to talk about sexual sin, though we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to try to be very careful in how I, I package this message to you today. Um, but we are going to be talking about sex and, and uh, sin um, in, in that realm, okay? Uh, but we're going to talk about other things as well. But what I want to do today is I want to help you and I to be a people who are more free than we've ever been. I want us to be able to be a people who are no longer managing our sins and cycling in our sins, but we are a people who are truly living in the freedom that Christ has given to us. And that in that place of freedom, we are functioning and we are healthy and we are vibrant and we are life-giving. We're not a people that are burdened down uh, by the heaviness of our sin and walking around timid or paralyzed by the shame and the guilt of what uh, has transpired uh, in our lives. That is everything that God wants for you. He wants you to be free. He wants you and I living lives that are very, very free. And that's what this particular passage that I had uh, Susan read to you is really all about, is that particular freedom, but using it properly, using it in the way that we need to. And so I want to really throw out a challenge to us today that we are a people who are not only capable of, but that we are actually living a chaste life. Now, let me try to define that just a little bit for you. If you just go to Merriam-Webster or, or, or a dictionary, you're going to find several different meanings for the word chaste, all right? Uh, the first one and the obvious one is that of abstaining from extramarital or from all sexual intercourse. That's what it says in, in, in the dictionary, okay? So it's, it's moving away from sexual sin and living a very pure life, all right? And I will have to say to you that... Uh, Life Church fell in the same category that most other churches fall into uh, when you look at the types of sins that plague uh, the Western church. And sexual sins are a high part, a high component of what the confessions were last week. Uh, I don't say that to shame any of us, okay? I say that to help us to get to the place of freedom, all right? That is the only reason that I am, I am preaching this message to you and I today is that we are a people walking in freedom and not in bondage and not in slavery to sin. A second uh, definition of the word chaste is the control of one's impulses and actions. All right, so we, we actually temper our bodies and we control these places where we are given choices and we are making the appropriate choices or withholding ourselves in such a way that we don't go into sin. 
And the third definition of the word chaste is that of one who is without unnecessary uh, ornamentation, uh, living a life that is simple or restrained uh, in, in, in manner, okay? So kind of putting all of that together, what I want to say to you today is that we are fighting a battle, and this battle is not uh, just an intellectual battle. Uh, it's not a battle in our mind alone, but it is a battle that wages war in our flesh. And so we want to help you. Pastor Dave and I, that was, that was the whole reasoning of having the service last Sunday where you actually were able to, to appropriate the, 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 the act of confession right then and there. We wanted you to be able to, to take it and do it right then. Um, and we appreciate uh, the, the wonderful response that we had uh, in doing that. But I want to talk to you about some of the, the practical implications of um, using our freedom that we've been given in Christ in a wrong manner, all right? And so I just want to cover a few things with you this morning, and then I want to give you some more uh, strategies, if you will, uh, to live a life that is free of these kinds of sin bondages, okay? Um, and then after this series, we're actually going to, to, to look at some of these areas where we all need freedom, and Pastor Dave and I are going to address those in some sermons, and these are going to be very much sermons that are, are body ministry types of sermons where we are really trying to help you as a people overcome in some of these areas of sin that have plagued uh, our lives, okay? Here's the thing, you know, we as Americans, we, we love our freedom, you know, don't encroach on our liberty. That's a big thing to us. We want to be free. We want to be a people that are free. So when restraints come around us or people put restraints on us, we don't like it. We immediately start to, to uh, sort of uh, rebuke that. You know, we, we, we rile against that. I don't want you to tread on my freedom. I don't, uh, men died for my freedom. Women died for my freedom. I, I've got freedom. And, and we tend to carry that over into the freedom that Christ has given us as well. And we take a great liberty, if you will, um, and we need to be careful about the liberty that we are taking uh, that, that Christ has given to us, all right? And so I want to land in this passage here in Galatians for just a few minutes and talk to you from this right here. Uh, because throughout this letter to the Galatians, Paul, up until the point where uh, Susan read to you, Paul has been making his case, so to speak, all right? And what, what that case is, is that salvation is the grace gift of God. All right? It, salvation is by grace alone. It is not by works, as we sing so wonderfully about this morning. All right? Um, and, and we are justified. All right? We, we can't earn this, this wonderful gift of God, but we are justified. We're, in other words, we're made right, if you will, with God by this grace. It is God's grace. And with that grace given by God and with your faith response to that grace, you are saved. All right? And, and it's in the cross that Jesus has purchased our pardon, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. This is the gospel message. You're going to hear it again at the end of the service today. This is the message that we preach and we teach and we proclaim and we herald to all of you. And we try to do it as often as we possibly can. All right? This is the, and this is the great message that Paul is giving initially to the Galatians here. All right? But then he moves from there and he begins to talk about these, these sort of practical implications of the gospel and he addresses this Christian liberty that we have that, that it really is not a license to just keep on sinning. All right? So yeah, you're free. 
but not to sin. All right? And so we come back again and again and we look at this and, and for some reason, as Pastor Dave brought out in his message last week, we have this, this tendency sometimes to go into this kind of what has been referred to as a greasy sort of grace where we can slip in and slip out and uh, there's, there's not a lot of accountability and we are allowing sin to reign in our bodies when we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's not the place for you and I to live. We are to be people who are free. And so even though the, the yoke of the law, if you will, has been removed, the reality is that when that is removed, the cross has been accepted. And in the place of the cross, our lifestyle needs to become this sort of rhythm of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are constantly dying to ourselves, and Christ is living through us. So it's no longer us that is living, but it is Christ through us. And so we live a different lifestyle. We live a different way. We have a different value system. All right? We function differently. Our decision-making shifts, if you will, and we begin to live as Jesus would live. And so, really, the only way to, to use this freedom, if you will, is for you and I to take the freedom that we have now and not apply it to ourselves and give ourselves permission to destroy ourselves but rather that we give ourselves restraint in order that we are able to help others so that they can live in the same liberty that we are now experiencing. God did not give you your liberty just for you to be free. He gave you liberty that you might share the freedom of others through a life that you live for Him. And this is where we need to land. This is, the, this is the identity that we need to be holding on to. The confession that you made last Sunday is a powerful and, and vibrant confession of faith. But it's a, a confession of your identity, who you are in Jesus Christ. And so we live a life for the sake of Christ, not for our own pleasure. And so there's this ongoing dying to those things for which Christ died. We're living out of His death and His resurrection. And so we will die to ourselves in order that we may continuously be producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. I think the greatest of that is love. And that is the intent of God is that, that in our freedom we are capable of a restraint that frees us and allows us to love others as we would love ourselves and to love God in such a way as to die to our flesh that His Son might live through us. And so I think that, that Paul is, is, is very specific here. As a matter of fact, he takes chapter 5 and chapter 6 to talk about all of this, and that's about a third of the letter to Galatians. So this is really, really important to Paul to bring this out, and he's trying to help the Galatians to see that, that these very practical things, are, if, if you don't do them right, if you don't get a handle on them, if you don't rein this area in, this area of liberty and freedom, it can destroy you and destroy others. And so that's why I think he begins this, this chapter, chapter 5, with verse 1. He says, you, therefore, because of chapters 1 through 4, all right, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the freedom, which 
Christ has made us free. And don't get entangled again. Don't revert back. Don't go back into this, this yoke of bondage, if you will. In other words, don't, don't keep going back into the mess. And how many of us, as Christians, as children of God, as those who love Jesus and are confessing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, how many of us find ourselves going back, cycling out of sin, how, how many of us are, are cycling in and out of pornography? How many of us are cycling in and out of unholy relationships or unholy commitments? And how many of us are battling the guilt and the shame of those kinds of places in our lives? It's a lot of us. And Paul is saying it, it shouldn't be that way. It ought not to be that way for us. And I'd like to try to bring out maybe two or three things here that, that will help us to see that. And the first is that I believe Paul tells us here in verse 13 that, that this freedom that we have, it is a birthright that we have. We've been called by God to liberty. He's given us this freedom that we have. You didn't earn it. You didn't, you didn't barter for it or buy it in any way. It is, it is the free gift that God has given through His Son, Jesus Christ. And there's been a tremendous, even though it's a free gift to you, it cost Him everything. It's a huge price that's been paid for your freedom. But this freedom belongs to all of us, all right? Now, in America, we have a unique sense of freedom because we have the Declaration of Independence that says we, are, we have freedom, and our freedom is, is a freedom that comes from God, but it endows us with these certain inalienable rights, all right? We have that. That's not enough. We have the United Nations sitting uh, on, on, the, on the eastern banks, and they have a Declaration of Human Rights that's been written up and given, and it, it expresses these, these, these basic ideals of freedom for all people, all right? Tragically, there are people, nations in the United Nations that are still depriving their citizens of these basic freedoms that we talk about and they're still in bondage. An even greater tragedy is the fact that even in America there is a lot of social injustice and there are awful things that go on in this country even though we say we are all free and we have basic inalienable rights. There is sex trafficking going on at astronomical rates. And, and the reality is that beyond that even you're sitting here and I'm saying in America you have a freedom. Even the, the, the whole of the United Nations says you have a freedom. And I'm telling you that God says you have a freedom that comes from Him through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and yet we are in bondage because we are still living in these sins. And, and God is saying, and Paul is saying, Jesus said, that ought not to be the case. Yes, there is a birthright uh, for the dignity of all of human beings. And that is the way God would want it to be. God values each person. That's why He reached to this amazing height, if you will, so dramatic to redeem you, to give His Son, to send His Son to the earth, to die on the cross, to save you from your sin. This willingness of giving His Son for us is powerful. It's amazing. Augustine says it this way, he says, What a mind-boggling, heart-stirring thought that Christ would have given Himself even if I was the only sinner needing salvation. That's how valuable you are. 
Had it not been for anyone else, it was done for you. God has given you that kind of value, and he bought that freedom for you to enjoy, to express, to have, and, 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 and to utilize, but not for your own flesh. The hallmark of this is, is that, that, yes, Christ has given himself, therefore, you and I must be willing to give ourselves. That's kind of the, the, the five-star point of all of this, if, if, if you will, okay? Now, the other thing I think is happening here in this passage that Paul is saying here that, that you've got this wonderful, amazing freedom now, but, but you just, you don't use this freedom for an opportunity. You, 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 don't, you don't position yourself so, okay, now I'm free, so now I, I look for what I can do in my freedom. That's not, that's not the position, that's not the place. Understand this, right? Freedom, freedom requires, freedom demands discipline. Demands discipline. You have freedom, but there are still laws in this land. There are responsibilities. And although you've been given freedom, you are not without responsibility to the law. And God has given you ample opportunity to experience relationships with others and with Him, but not to take the liberty of that in such a way that you indulge your own flesh. You retain your freedom regardless of what experiences you find yourself in, what situations you find yourself in. I, I was reading a story this week of a, of a pastor, and he said that he visited with a family uh, they were visiting in a, in a hotel room in America, but this family had been for 30-plus years in China, very oppressed uh, in China and very held back. And they didn't have uh, a Bible for 20-something years of those 30-plus years that they had known Jesus. Uh, and uh, they had been beaten and, and a lot of difficult, adverse things that they had gone through. And they had found their way to America with the help of other Christians. And so they were in this hotel room and this pastor is sitting there with them and he and, and his wife and others and they're talking to them. And he says, I just got this profound awareness. He said, it just, it just hit me so so real that this family had been in bondage, this family had been oppressed, this family had been, been hurt and persecuted all these many years. But as they're sitting here, they're weeping and they're talking in such passion about their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes, I realize that though they were in great bondage, they were very free. They understood and they, they took hold of their freedom that they had in Christ. And I'm going to tell you something today. Maybe there's a past here. Maybe, there, maybe there's a history that you have. Maybe, maybe there's some, some things that, that you haven't been able to really reconcile or, or maybe get over in your own life. Maybe there's some hurts and wounds in your life that really feed into your flesh. Maybe there's some, some hookups of the enemy in your, in your soul and, and the enemy is feeding stuff to you constantly to try to get you to continue in a sin pattern. But I'm telling you, no matter what bondage you feel there, no matter what oppression you feel there, it can be unhooked by the blood of Jesus Christ and you can be set free. You don't have to live in bondage. You are a child of God. You have freedom through the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that's where we need to get to. That's where we need to land. 
And I will tell you, I will tell you that I don't even know how to say it to you. I don't don't know how to convey it to you well enough so that I feel like I give you my heart in this, but I am your pastor. I want for you everything that God has for you. And I want you to be free, but I can't make you free. And I'm not going to try because Jesus has already done that work for you. That's not my work to do. That's not even your work to do. You can't free yourself in that sense. You are free in Christ. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And so that's the platform from which we're going to work off of here. But as we are going forward, we are going to try to live in that freedom, all right, without using it in the wrong way as an opportunity for the flesh. Your freedom requires discipline, and I'm calling you to that even today to say you've you've got to come around this, and you've got to begin to live in that, that kind of place where you are exercising the discipline that your freedom requires of you in Christ. That Greek word for opportunity that's translated here, it is sometimes also translated as an opening, um, it, it literally means a place of jumping off. And so, so, in essence, Paul is saying, don't use your freedom as a place to jump off into the flesh. And, and unfortunately, we're so wired today to sexual things, and, and we're so uh, hit with our sexuality in so many different ways. I, I, I'm not... I don't have my head in the sand, so to speak, but I don't tend to do a lot of research about the sexual sins of the Western church. I don't like that area uh, personally to go in there and, and just kind of peruse it all. But this week, I've been in there, all right, and floored by some of the things. But do you realize that most boys have viewed pornography by the age of 10? And junior high children in cities smaller than Sioux Falls are having sex, sexual intercourse, not foreplay, not just fondling or those kinds of things, but they're actually having sex. Pornography is the the number one industry, money-making industry in America. Do you realize that pornography alone makes more money than all of the NFL or football, baseball, soccer, basketball, put them all together and all of that money that's talked about. I mean, it was overwhelming just to hear the money around the Super Bowl, okay? But put them all together and it still doesn't reach the magnitude of dollars earned by the pornography industry in the same year. What does that say? It says that we are a nation that has now become inundated and saturated with sex, and it is no longer just something that's out there in covert circles and could be reached, but it is oppressive, it is uh, overt, it is, is coming in on American society and culture to the point that there are people now who are saying that it is absolutely a, a detrimental epidemic in America. 
Were there confessions of this sort on this past Sunday? Absolutely there were. Because we are, we are an American church. For us to sit here and think that we are protected from this is, is a huge fallacy. For us to sit here and think that these kind of things don't touch us, they touch us, they invade, they come in right on us as the body of Christ. Folks, we are a family and we have got to help each other. We have got to move in directions with one another. We've got to learn how to talk honestly with one another. We've got to be able to be forthright with one another. This whole power of confession that we gave to you last Sunday has to be a real piece of the mix for us to be healthy and whole and vibrant, victorious people. And so I'm challenging you today to look differently now. Don't, don't look for an opportunity and, and I'm not just speaking to the guys here when I'm talking about this stuff, all right? I'm speaking to all of you folks. We cannot be a people who come in here on Sunday and pray and go through form and function, and then we leave here, and immediately we are looking for an opportunity to feed our flesh. And for some of you, that's not sex. I realize that. For some of you, that's food. For some of you, that's something totally different. And anything that takes the place of God is an idol. Anything. And, and the greatest battle may be in your mind. It may not be in a tangible place, but the battle is going on inside of you. And you and I have to, we have to deal with this. And that beginning place is recognizing it first and foremost and understanding that I am prone to this or I am, am walking in this constantly and it is a cycle in my life and it is destroying me. And then we've got to find some good person in the body of Christ we can have confession with, who we can confess these struggles and these battles and these sins with, and, and that person can look us in the eye and pray for us and say, you know what, you're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we can walk in that absolution of Christ. And we can begin to develop these strategies to get around this. I, 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 there's so much here, and I'm not going to have time to talk about it all today. But I'm calling you and I to a place not only where we are chased and we're living more like Christ, but where we are able to help others do the same thing and we're able to help each other to do this. Uh, one more thing that I think Paul is saying here is, is that this, this, this criteria, this, this is so important. This criteria, this, is, this, this that is to guide us, this that is to drive us in our freedom, our Christian freedom and liberty, it is nothing short of godly love, agape love. It is the, it's just the love of God. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's the same love that, that, that was defined in the law by, by God when he gave it to Moses in Leviticus. It, Jesus reiterated it in the book of Mark, and now Paul is restating it here in Galatians, saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We've, we, we've got to experience a healthy love of ourself, and a healthy love of others, and that's only going to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is when we are walking in the Spirit that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
And so to live a chaste life means that we have to evaluate where we are and what we're doing. Some of you have got to evaluate your friendships, your, your outside relationships. Some of you have got to lay some, some, some relationships down. And, and you, you've got to do it gently. But you've got to be able to look at a person. Or, or if they're a Christian, you've got to call them up on this thing, call them out on this thing a little bit. And you can do that very graciously. It may be that you have to say to someone, hey, I'm really sorry, but, but our relationship is going downhill. And, and I, I want us to have a relationship, but it has to be where we, we are disciplined in the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are helping each other, not taking each other down. We want to be a brother to brother and sister to sister. We want to spur each other on in love. And so we have to work at this together. We do that, according to verse 13, by this, this is a love that serves one another, which, which means that, that we are willing to save the life of someone else by losing our own, in a sense. We're willing to do whatever it takes to lay it down so that someone else can pick up this vibrant life in Christ. We're willing to pay that price for someone else. So we, we say we're going to give our life in love to others. And you know what happens? When you do that, you find your life. You find your freedom. But he, but he warns in verse 15 that Susan read to you today that if you bite and you devour one another, then, then take heed. You very likely will consume one another and be destroyed. That is not what the church is about. That is not the picture of the body of Christ at all. That is a dangerous place. And I want to challenge you and I that we move. We move ourselves. We, we recalibrate ourselves, if you will. All right, let, let, let me try to wrap this up here today. What, what does that mean for you and I to be chased? What is, what's the practical side of this? What does it include? Well, first of all, it includes fidelity, both in marriage and outside of marriage. It says that we're going to be pure people in all of our relationships. We're going to deal with everybody equally. Equally, all right? That means we don't have different kinds of relationships. We don't compartmentalize relationships, all right? We are children of God. We have the primary relationship through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we live all other relationships out of that primary relationship. It informs every other relationship. The truth of God's Word informs every other relationship that I have. And I don't get to use sex. And I don't get to use it as a test of, of, of love or commitment or, or uh, allegiance or whatever the case may be. I just don't get to use sex in marriage or outside of marriage. And it, and it means that, that we're not engaging in sexual behavior that would leave anyone else in any form of shame or distress or guilt. And I've had people in this in, in the body of Christ who come to me and they've said, hey, I, just, I need to confess that I had sex with another person and uh, I'm, really, I'm really distraught about it. And I said, okay, talk to me about what this, when you say you're distraught. You know, well, I just, I just feel rotten. I feel bad. I feel ashamed. I feel guilty. Um, you know, I just, I just, I, I, I know I'm forgiven in Christ. I know I have liberty. I'm free in Christ. I know I'm free in Christ. I got that. Uh, I understand that, but I'm just, I'm just, you know, I just feel bad. I just feel like I need to, to, to confess to you. And I go, you know what? What will make me feel better 
is when you are contrite and broken and the tears are streaming from you out of the reality that there is another broken person out there and it's not you. That you can move beyond your own guilt and your own shame and you can care about the other person that you, you brought into this lust of your own flesh. And I'm telling you, even in the church, we're selfish people. And that's what, that's what this whole thing is all about, is us fulfilling our own lust and, 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 and having what, what we want. And, and we, we cannot do that, all right? It also means refraining from things that will lead you in that direction, not just being there or suddenly finding yourself there, but refraining from the events and, and the, the communication and, and the, the contact that would lead you to that place. Don't open the door that takes you down the corridor that opens the door to the room where it's at. See, it doesn't, it doesn't just happen. You don't just get thrown into this. There are things that happen to get you there. All right? The enemy is working against your very soul. And there are things that move you, and you know what they are. But the tendency is not to acknowledge that knowing, but just to go with it. And the problem, the problematic piece of this is that when people get there, the response is like, oops, oops is not good. Oops doesn't cut it. Oops doesn't bring you to the reality of what has taken place. Nor does it help you to be confronted with the price that Jesus paid for your freedom that you have just messed with, messed up. But if you are serving others, the intent is going to be to refrain from situations and circumstances that bring that person down. And then you begin to love rather than use people. You begin to serve rather than take from people. Okay, Pastor, so how do I do that? Well, I, I, I want to try to give you something to, to help you with that, if, if at all possible, all right? Um, and we'll close with this, okay? I, I, I want your, your freedom to be something that you take full responsibility for going forward. See, loving behavior takes responsibility. Love has components to it according to Scripture. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. Love's not arrogant. It's not rude. Um, love doesn't insist on having its own way. Um, it's not irritable. It's not resentful. It, it, doesn't, it, it actually rejoices in, in doing the right thing. It doesn't rejoice in doing the wrong thing. All right? It doesn't replace the truth. It fulfills the truth, if you will. Um, it, it bears with one another in all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, according to Corinthians. 
Okay, these are all, these are all important pieces here, all right? But what, is, what does that mean here? It means that in your relationships with other people, if you're living chaste, you're going to be one who nurtures other people. You're going to be one who encourages other people. You're going to be one who protects other people. You're going to be one who helps bring freedom to other people. You're going to be a person who develops intimacy in the body of Christ in the right way so that we're all praying and worshiping and serving Jesus together. You're going to be a person <coughs> excuse me, who supports biblical truth. And the truth is going to be of value to you. You're going to hold the truth, and you're going, to, you're going to desire truth above all else. And it's going to be the guiding pathway for you. And it's going to inform your decision-making in a very powerful and real way. Because you see, it never, this kind of love, it never leaves another person with cause for shame and embarrassment. And so what we do is, we continue in this discipline of confession, all right? I'm, I am an idealist in a lot of ways, but I am, I, am, I am a realist too in that I understand that though I've preached this message to you today, there are going to be times when you are going to fail. I'm aware of that. But I'm going to try my best to, to help you and, and we're going to help each other to make sure that those times are further and further and further apart from each other and the recovery is quicker and quicker and quicker towards Christ. Okay, So we're going to help each other as we go forward. So you need to continue the discipline that you were taught last week by Pastor Dave of confession. And then a number of you, you're going to need to set up some restraints, some boundaries, some accountability points. We can help you with that. You come see me or Pastor Dave or other leaders. Uh, maybe there's an elder that you have an affinity to. You talk to the elder or an elder's wife that, that you really feel uh, connected to. Talk to them. Maybe it's just one another in the body. All right, but, but you, you get with somebody and you begin to talk about what are the things that I have to do to be able to not fall into these places. And then also get further help if you need to. If you need some counseling, if you need to see a therapist or something like that, we, we will help you do that, all right? Okay, but make, make life confession of sins a, a, a normal and regular part of your life. You receive these words of forgiveness from one another and, and, and the absolution and, and you walk away from being plagued with guilt and shame and all that stuff. You return very quickly to the love and the forgiveness that's offered for you so that you can give that love and forgiveness to others. And then lastly, would you please pray that God would help you to see everybody else in the body and outside of the body through God's eyes. Value people the way God values people and love them through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love you this morning. This gospel is everything. And we're going to share this gospel message with you. If you need to pray, the prayer team is going to be coming up here. They would love to pray with you today. And uh, if you just want to sit there and pray, you can feel free to do that. Once the gospel is shared, uh, you'll be free to be dismissed if you need to, okay? Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14 say, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we, were, we joined him in his death? 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any, of your bod- any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. That although we live in a world that is tainted by sin, although sin um, desires to destroy us, that this God has come, that this Jesus has taken on flesh, that he resisted these temptations, that he is the God who was crucified to death, and that he was raised to new life. And we are invited into that, that because of him we can die to sin and be alive to him in, in his goodness, that we can be in right relationship with God, that sin does not control us, that we are truly free. And so um, if you have accepted this good news, if you have received Christ as the one true God, if you believe that, you are invited into this place of being dead to sin and being alive to God of being truly free. And if this is the first time you've heard this, if this is the first time this has made sense, that the scripture has spoken to you, that God has revealed himself in that way, you are invited to come up and um, receive prayer. The prayer team would love to talk with you about this. The prayer team would love for you to um, join them in praying for this to be the reality of your life, that you would know that you are dead to sin and alive to Christ, because that is the gospel, that is the good news. Um, So I'm going to pray, the prayer team can come up, and everyone can be quietly dismissed if you aren't receiving prayer. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God who has given us life, that you have invited us into the fullness of life and who you are, that your resurrection is the good news, the new standard of life, and we ask that you would help us to live in that place, that we would know your goodness, that we would be obedient to you, and that our lives would bring you great glory. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all these things in your awesome name. Amen.